little bit of bass as well. Uh, you can turn it up a little bit, just a teeny bit. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, hey, test mic. Rolling? Let's do it, man. Hi, we're Colts, and this is I Took Your Picture. You're listening to the sessions at Midori House, where this week we're joined by indie pop duo Colts. Hailing from New York, Colts are Brian Oblivion and Madeline Follin. Following a successful record in 2013 called Static, the double act decided to slow things down in order to work on their latest album, Offering. Brian and Madeline, otherwise known as Colts, thanks so much for playing for us today. Thanks oh, for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. That was fun. You released your newest album, Offering, at the end of last year, but it took you quite a long time to get to the point of putting it out. Why did you decide to spend so long making this album? I don't think it was like a decision that we made. 
It was just (laughs) (laughs) a cascade upon each other. (laughs) Yeah, we just after we got off touring the last record, Static, we spent time learning how to cook and (laughs) how to have an apartment and have friends, (laughs) live uh, normal lives, and we just kind of worked slower. There was nobody pressuring us, putting pressure on us to make a record fast, so we took our time. It was really it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> and when you've released an album that's been successful like Static and been really well received and then you've been on tour and you've kind of had a bit of a whirlwind few months doing all that, what's the feeling like when you suddenly stop and go to normal life? Is it Does it feel like an anticlimax or does it feel... We call it PTD. Yeah, post-tour <laughs> depression. It's really rough. It's hard... Because you have every second of your day pretty much planned out for you on tour. Like, I'm like, when can I fit in food? (laughs) And then you get home and you're like, I have absolutely nothing to do. Yeah. It's really depressing. And you're just so (laughs) used to being around people and having so much stimulation. And then you go into hideo mode. Well, there's so many days where I'm just like, I could leave the house and go to the store or something, but I guess I'll just watch TV. <laughs> yeah. That's just was part of the exciting thing of, of having more time in between records. I think both of us were kind of faced, I don't know, at different times maybe, faced moments where we were just like, who am I? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you exist only in a group of like eight people constantly traveling, you're part of the group. You know what I mean? You don't have time to think like, what are, what are my hobbies? What do I like? We still don't have any. I mean, we've been doing interviews for this record, and everybody's like, what were your hobbies in your time off? And we were like, hmm, guitar? (laughs) (laughs) Drums? Existential crisis. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But I think we've gotten closer to solving it. I don't think you ever know the answer to that question, but I I feel more like myself than I have since I was a teenager, probably. Okay, (laughs) well, that's good. I think it's something that a lot of people battle with. Good religion, and we are cults.
during the years that you were making this album, you were also doing some film work as well. Yeah, well, she she sang a song for the movie Only Lovers Left Alive, the Jim Jarmusch movie. That was pretty cool. I, I scored a, a movie, a Canadian horror movie that I, I think is pretty cool. It's a really fun experience, yeah. but very different than making pop music. And did you also do Rihanna writer's workshop type thing as well? Yes, we went to the, we <laughs> epically failed at tra- attempting that. <laughs> What's that like? Um, it's very weird. Well, we went into a studio kind of like this one here. Mm-hmm. We had like a room about the size of the room we recorded in here. And they basically played us all, all the songs. And they were like, you can either just write lyrics and a melody to one of the songs that she's already chosen, or you can start from scratch. And we got asked very last minute. And so we got in at like 2 a.m. and we picked a song and we just did uh, just jammed on it till yeah, like 6 a.m. and tried to like do additional instrumentation and stuff. The song made the record not without anything that it, we well, contributed. They, I mean, <laughs> actually, what I. W- I feel like you set us up because the guy said, this is the intro to the record. There might not be vocals on it. And so we wrote lyrics for a song that she'd already kind of decided that she didn't want vocals on. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you picked that one. Uh, yeah. When you do stuff like that, the film stuff and doing the stuff for Rihanna, and you have a brief to write to, do you take elements of things you've learned doing that into creating a record which obviously hasn't got a brief at all it's just what you guys come up with together yeah this was like probably the most loosey-goosey record we've made hilarious expression loosey-goosey i don't, I don't, I like I don't think i've ever used that before <laughs> you should use it more often he says it all the time I do. <laughs> <laughs> you thought Ouch. you knew yourself <laughs> but no i think the one of the ways that we've always tackled it is the first two records we kind of come up with a mission statement for the record before we write it. It was like the first one we had the cover art, we had like all the design aesthetics and like the idea of the sound and like we basically would build like a session in our recording software that like is the band. We're like, okay, this is the drum kit, this, this is the that, there's going to be a glockenspiel player, he's going to play often, <laughs> you know. And this time, for the for the first time, we like sat down and we're like, Show me some music that you like that you think is cool. Cool. <laughs> we just listen to like you a bunch so of. I'm nervous about it. No, I was because I, I there's so much music that I don't know that she knows because she grew up in a cool like house and I grew up in the suburbs. I hadn't heard Cocteau Twins until we we wrote this record. They're like my favorite band. <laughs> now, I, I think that kind of comes across in the music. I, I like to keep it on kind of a slow drip because like then you find out about something and you're like, guys. Have you have you heard of the Stone Roses? This band's amazing. And everyone just looks at me and like rolls their eyes, but then I get inspired and want to write songs. You know what I mean? So try to use it as a strength. I like your approach to that. I think. Yeah. You've got to save the classics. And keep yeah. going. Maybe when you're 70, you'll, you'll find the Beatles yeah, or something. Yeah, I was going to say, you haven't gotten around to the Beatles yet. But I, see, nice I seriously heard Dark Side of the Moon for the first time two years ago, and I'm 29 years old. <laughs> Well, there's still plenty to discover for you. Though. Yes, there is. I hope so. <laughs> Hi, we're Colts, and this is You Know What I Mean. You've been listening to the sessions at Midori House. This week's guests were Colts, and their latest album, Offering, is out now on Cinderlin Records. The duo are currently touring around Europe until early February, and you can find out about dates and tickets at coltscoltscoltz.com. 
This show is produced by me, Holly Fisher, and mixed by Kieran Banerjee. Join us again at the same time next week when we'll have live music from Australian indie outfit Cub Sport. But for now, thanks for tuning in. Tell